0: Welcome to the life of Jesus, Lesson 17. We're going to pick up in chapter 3 and page 26. We left in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, where it said, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. So we're looking at the specifics of creation at the moment, and um, we looked at the fact that God finished all of his work, okay, and in Genesis 2-7, and the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul, or a living being. And then it says, then God took... The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Now, as we saw earlier, this was when God warned man to guard the garden. And to keep it safe from all intruders. Especially a rebellious outlaw angel named Lucifer. Okay? Now, following this, it says in verses 17... Excuse me, 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. So there is one tree on the entire planet. (laughs) I mean, this is ridiculous when you think about it. Everything else, everywhere else you go, you can eat. But there's one tree. It's like the kid. Now you tell the kid, "Don't touch that." You can have anything else, but don't touch that. You know what the kid does? Go and touch that. All right. <laughs> All right. But that's sadly because of the fall. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay. Now, you know, the wise thing would have been if that's a bad tree, let's relocate to another place in the garden. Let's not even look at that tree. Yeah, that's just the thing that is the other side of the mountain. Yeah, put a little fence around it, electrify it, no, (laughs) whatever, you know. Uh, You just want to stay away from the thing. If God says you're going to die, we don't want to touch it. Alright, Henry M. Morris says that literally the warning could be read, Dying, thou shalt die. Now, in other words, there would be two deaths. One spiritual, the other physical. The first death would separate the spirit man from God referred to as spiritual death, the second death would separate the soul of man from his body, causing him to die physically. Okay, so those are the two deaths. And isn't it interesting, both of those things are unseen parts of you. Okay, that unseen part called your spirit gets separated from God. That unseen part called your soul gets separated from your body in time to come. See, we were never meant to be separated from our body. Do you understand? When God made our spirit, soul, and body, it was made perfect, and we were to remain as a three-part being. Sadly, because of the curse now, we're losing parts of us. That's what the miracle is about. At the end, that we will be triune beings once again. We'll have a resurrected body. Our spirit, our soul, and our resurrected body will come back together, okay, and we'll be complete again. What he said is that the people that go to hell... They don't have their body, they don't have their spirit, the soul is by itself. Isn't that sad? And all the damage that has been done to that individual, which is interesting when you think about it, all the damage apparently remains. So if you hurt yourself, if you broke something, it's broken in hell. Interesting isn't it? You don't get healed on the way down there. But you do get healed on the way up. Anyway. In verses 18 through 21, it says that the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And following the naming of the animals, it says, But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Now, it's interesting that God says, I'm going to make a helper like him. Then we have the animals. And then it says, but for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to Him. This leads to God's final and crowning creation, I'm on the next page, with Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 and 22, saying, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of the ribs, literally sides, and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made, fashioned and formed into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Now Bible commentator Matthew Henry writes, Man being made the last of the creatures, as the best and most excellent of all, Eve's body being made after Adam, and out of him puts honor upon that sex as the glory of the man. Well, that's from 1 Corinthians eleven seven. 7. The man was dust refined, but the woman was dust double refined. One removed further from the earth. I thought that was interesting. Okay. Added to this, Henry M. Morris says that in the literal text, Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 and 22, should actually uh, read, And he, now listen to this carefully. God took one of Adam's, or one of uh, his, that is man's, sides, and closed up the remaining flesh instead of that which had, he had taken. And the side which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made a woman and brought her unto the man. Now that tells us a lot of things, all right? It wasn't just a fleshly separation. Now this is really important that we get this. A side of man was taken out. All right, a lot of, time, lot of time people missed this. All right, a side of Adam was taken out to make the woman. This is the reason why we have, um, or there is this longing to find, you know, our, our the half. You know, all the, all the old sayings? Okay, all right, I feel incomplete. All those, all the songs that everybody writes. It's because of this. Because we're feeling like something was taken out of us. And we're looking for that thing to, to come back to make us the person that we should have been. Interesting, isn't it? All right. And it's only when you read this that you begin to realize, this isn't about, well, you know, who's superior and who's not. That's stupid. It's not about superiority, it's about completeness. Do you understand? And so instead of competing all the time, we should look to complete. But sad, befallen man is competing, while we, as believers in the Lord, with a new nature, should be looking now for a completeness. Instead of saying, "Ha, huh, you know, I'm all this," it's just like, "Okay, something is missing in my life, and I'm looking for that." Okay, so that's what that's what this this brings. This that meaning is brought out here. All right, so. So let me just read what I've got here. God actually removed more than just flesh and bone from man, but a very specific nature and side that would never be replaced. If we were to use colors as a point of illustration, I used this in, in a series that I did, we would say that God took all the red out of His original purple cre- uh, creation to make the woman, thereby leaving only the blue behind in the original male body. Do you understand? Blue and red makes purple. Okay, so you take all the red out, what you're going to be left with is just blue. Okay, and I said, yeah, as a result, this new man, this blue man, yes, he would be sad, okay, (laughs) all right, would always be conscious of his need for that red part of him that was taken out and be constantly searching for it. And of course, the same would apply to the woman as well, all right? Now, the interesting thing is that, you know, in Christ, God makes up those differences, all right? You don't have to have that because with the new birth comes. The life of God comes, destiny comes, all sorts of things. Alright? And so, there is something that I believe, in that new birth, to make up for the loss. Because we should never have had this problem. Do you understand? Alright? What should have been happening is that, you know, instinctively, we should have known who belonged. To who. Because there wouldn't have been all these games. There wouldn't have been bars and all sorts of stuff, you know what I'm saying? Okay, you didn't have to go to a bar to get picked up, you know? You, you know okay, all that stuff, just all the things that have, have resulted from the fall. Okay, and that's where a lot of the, um, I guess the confusion comes from as well. Because, you know, you don't know, you know, who do I go with and what's right for me and all of those questions. Do you understand? Okay, a lot of that stuff came because we lost Kind of our little spiritual radar. And we didn't know who to go with. And you know, the divorce rate testifies to that, even today. Alright. So that's the reason now, we go, let's go on to um, verses 23 through 25. That says, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. See, he realized this is a part of him. Just like when you see, and this is interesting, I've, I've noticed this to a degree. You know, when, some, when, when a certain guy meets a certain girl, okay, and they, they just have this, that's the person for me. Now, I'm not a person that believes in, you know, love at first sight and stuff. But I do believe, if there is a connection, if there is something there, and you go, I don't know what it is, but there's something there. Okay, and then, that, you know, it is usually what, it should be the thing that causes you to pursue are you all with me? It should be internal, not external. See, the world is all about externals. Alright? And they're all about flesh and flesh. But what should be happening is something else. It should be a soulish thing. It should be, there's a connection there, there's something there, I don't know what it is. But I want to be with this person. I want to talk to them. And it's, you know, it's, it is one of those things where... You know, the person says, "Oh, am I boring you with all this?" It's like, "No, I can't get enough. Keep talking." That's when you know something's up. Are you all here? Okay, all right. And it says, "She shall be called woman." Now, this is very interesting. Who is talking? Adam called Eve woman. All right. It says, "She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man." So unlike the females of the animal kingdom, which were made separately from the dust of the ground, like their male counterparts, mankind was one being split into two. Alright, so see with animals, God didn't do that. God didn't say, okay let's make a tiger and then pull part of the tiger out and make a female tiger. So the one tiger goes, ooh I know you. It wasn't like that. Two separate dust balls were made into two tigers, so to speak. But with man it was different. So we were even made differently. Okay? So that's why when people say, well, we're just part of the animal kingdom, we are not a part of that kingdom. Okay? And that's the reason why it says in verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, that means transparent as well, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed, because they had nothing to hide. All right. In his commentary, Alan P. Ross points out that prior to the fall, there was no need of hierarchy or submission, since the pair had not experienced evil in any way. I thought that was interesting that he pointed that out as well. Alright, with that we conclude our brief summary of chapter 2, and the creation of the natural universe. Now, again we're talking about what Jesus Christ made, how he made things. And that everything that He made reflects something about Him. Okay? Reflects a part of Him. Do you understand? Even in the creation of man and the woman, it reflects something about the Lord. That's the reason why... Now, let me say this now. I've, I've said that so I can say this. When people go and say, well, Jesus, you know what? You don't understand how I feel. Well, you know something? If He didn't, He, would have, he wouldn't have made man and woman the way He did. He knows exactly what is going on. Are you all here? And that's the reason why, you know, the place to find your partner is in prayer. Can I just say that? If you can get a job to come to you, all things are possible. (laughs) Okay? See, that's what I pray. When I pray for people, I pray that things come to them. Because then there's no chance of you messing it and fouling it up. Oh, we're good at that. You know what I'm saying? Every time we jump in to help, we get Ishmael's coming out everywhere. All right, okay? So we need to stop doing stuff like that, man. There's enough of them running around in our life. Do you, you, amen? Okay? So we really need to allow God to do His thing in His time. Alright, let's move on. We're into chapter 4 now. I'm going to go through Genesis chapter 3, because this is where now we encounter the enemy. Alright, so, we've seen the fall of the angelic race, we've seen the creation of the natural realm, the creation of mankind, and now we're going to see the two realms collide. When we get to Genesis chapter 3, it's obvious that some time has passed, and Lucifer has found a way into the natural realm, through a willing vessel. Alright, this vessel was willing. Otherwise, God wouldn't have cursed it. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? Okay? So he finds a willing vessel in the animal kingdom. And so it says in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The serpent always questions everything God says. Now, in his commentary, Henry Morris says... We must first examine the nature of the evil spirit using the serpent's body. It is obvious that there is more to this event than a mere fable of a talking snake. The Bible later defines that old serpent as none other than the devil himself. That's in Revelation twelve nine and 20 and verse 2. Who has led an age-long angelic rebellion against God and his plans for mankind. You're getting all of this? Alright. Morris continues, Thus Lucifer became that old serpent, entering into the body of this most clever or cunning of all of the beasts of the field, in order to approach Eve with his evil solicitations and enticements. Alright. It is interesting that Lucifer chose this beast over all others, because it was in both their natures to be cunning. Alright, so the snake was already cunning. Interesting, isn't it? Like you know, There's a like attraction between the two. Okay. With the added bonus of Lucifer also being described as deceptive. Alright, that's in Revelation chapter 12 verse 9, which says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. Alright, see, it's okay to be cunning, but not deceptive. Not in an evil way, anyway. Alright? Now, we're meant to be cunning. Can I say that? Don't be stupid. Alright? We, you know, we, we need to think ahead. To be cunning allows you to see ahead, allows you to think about what's, what's going on, allows you to determine some things. We, you know, I think sometimes we just, we don't tap into the spirit, because sometimes in trying to be honest, we wear all of our feelings on our sleeves, we just let everybody know what we're thinking, and, you know, because we're honest. Alright? That's not always a smart thing to do. Sometimes you can say things, even though it may be true, it might be hurtful to someone. Absolutely. Do you understand? And we have to be careful what we say, because we sometimes forget that there are people that are facing certain problems, that have situations in their life, and even though in a normal conversation it wouldn't be a problem, if you are not aware of who you're talking to and what some of the things that are going on in their life is, then you open your mouth, you shoot your mouth off, you say something that will damage them. And while you're making jokes, they're not happy. And you're getting upset because they're not laughing. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And a lot of times we just miss things, because we're just so shallow in our thinking. Can I tell you about Jesus? Do you know Jesus? No. (laughs) You better in Bible college. No. (laughs) He had insights. He had insights into people that were extraordinary. Right? I mean, he would say things that would just blow people's minds. He would read them. And before, you know, we were talking about Nicodemus on Sunday. Before that man could open his mouth and ask a question, he answered him. Now that's, you know, to me, that's cunning. He goes to a woman at the well. She's pulling water at the wrong time of the day. And uh, he says, give me something to drink. And starts talking to her. The men don't talk to the women. Especially a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman. That is a big no. And he starts just chatting to her. And he's talking. And he says, so, where's your husband? He knows. How do you know he knows? Because he tells her in a minute. And she says, oh, well, he goes, yeah, it's right you say you don't have a husband. You've already had that many, and now the guy you're staying with isn't your husband. And she's like, ooh, (laughs) that's cunning. See, he didn't look at her coming, knowing her story, and say, oh, bad Samaritan woman. You adulterous female. See, that's what a stupid Christian would do. Do you understand? I feel wrong in my spirit, I'm leaving. Oh, for God's sake. I want to say something, but I don't. Well, well, you know. <laughs> Have some guts, you know what I mean? It, you know, it's just, people are just so, I, I don't know how else to put this. You know, they're spineless. And you need to be, <laughs> you know, you, you just need to be a little gutsy sometimes. For the, in the right way. Not to tell people off, but to handle something. To, you know, To know, okay, this isn't good, but maybe God needs me here. Amen? So you just guts up and go, All right, I'll stay, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? I know this is not a nice person, what do you want me to do with it? And if we, you know, because we're always on the defensive, stop being on the defensive. Get Get some inside information and go on the offensive, but in love. See, Jesus went on the offensive in love. He did it with Nicodemus. While Nicodemus was going to be checking out and asking, you know, what wonderful things we need to do, Jesus says, you, you need to get born again. He goes, uh, that's not a question I was going to ask. I don't even know what came out of your mouth right now. We're talking about righteousness, we're talking about doing good things, because that's what the Old Testament says, and the Bible says we have to do good things to get, you know. And Jesus is saying, uh, no, forget all that, I'm giving you a whole nother thought. Which just blew his mind. Do you understand? The same thing with the Samaritan woman. He starts talking to her. And she, you know, she's very e- evasive in her, in her answers, and, he's, and then he just reads her card. And then she asks a question, just like everybody else has a question. She had her question, which mountain is right? We worship on this mountain, you worship on that mountain. And he gives her an answer again, like Nicodemus, that she wasn't expecting. He said, neither of them. <laughs> she's like, say what? You know, as a Jew, at least you could have picked your mountain. But he says, no, none of these are important. Hmm? Because something was coming that we were going to be the temples of the Holy Ghost. There was no longer physical locations. There was no longer, well, I worship on this mountain. Which church do you go to? Who cares? Are you all here? Okay. So, I want to say all that to say this. We need to be cunning. The snake was made cunning. That was a part of what the Lord was, and is. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay, but when that cunning turns to evil, then you're going to get ripped off. Like Matthew the tax collector. He was cunning, but not in a good way. Do you understand? Okay, so we we need to understand that those are not bad things, and they need to be used in God and I really wish that we start to learn how to walk in that quality. So that the devil cannot pull the wool over our eyes. In fact, we should be so many steps ahead of everybody else. That it's not even funny. We have the Holy Ghost. He will tell us of things to come. He's got the future. He knows exactly what's going to happen. There's a, you know, He can work things out. We haven't made decisions yet, but He can tell where you're going to go next. Because you're, everything about you is saying something. So is it with everybody else. Do you understand? And he's very good at telling the past. He can give you things and secrets about people that nobody knows. People say, well, how do I know that, you know, my religion isn't better than yours? When you open your mouth and say something that nobody else knows about them, you got them. But we're not open to that, see? We're not allowing that information to come through. Do you hear what I'm saying? We need to learn how to receive those things. They are all by faith. Alright, back to this. So, this is not a bad quality. It's just If it's mixed with evil, it becomes bad. Alright, so in fact, as a result of the serpent's willingness to accommodate Lucifer and man's fall, demonic spirits now have the ability under certain conditions to indwell or possess either humans or animals, and why we have it recorded in Luke 8.33, then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine. Notice, they're in this realm now. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and drowned. So no, more on this when we get to the Gospels. Now notice also in uh, Genesis three one the fact that the serpent is communicating with the woman, and it doesn't surprise her at all. And why Henry Morris speculates that it is more than possible that the higher animals could originally communicate directly with man. Oh. All right. So you see, if that was something that was out of the ordinary, the first thing when the serpent opened his mouth, he would go, "You're talking." Okay? Anybody seen Shrek? You know, you know the talking donkey? You know, and Shrek grabs a donkey and he's running with Fiona, and the donkey opens his mouth and speaks, and Fiona goes, he talks. When Shrek says, Yeah, get him to shut up is the trick. Okay? You know, okay? So see, that was that was surprising. Those animals shouldn't be talking. See, we miss things like this. We read it and that's the reason why we think it's a fable. Because, I mean, who's ever heard of a talking snake? I mean, a talking horse. Isn't it? <laughs> Let's not go there. Anyway, alright? So, it's obvious that it was something that was normal. Which is sad, isn't it? We'll see why or what has happened since then, alright? We see an example of this. In Numbers 22, the, the ability of higher animals originally being able to communicate directly with man. Numbers 22 verse 28, where it says, Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? I mean the donkey started talking to the man. It always amazes me why he didn't just fall over and go, She's talking. He was so mad. He was so upset. He was so had such a lust for greed and money and power. And I've noticed that. When we get caught up in the things of evil or you know in things that are evil we tend to lose the miracle of the things that are going on around us the wonder of what's happening and the way God will step in sometimes and do something just extraordinary and we're so mad that we're not getting our way we miss it I have experienced that in my life you know when you about to do something you know, the phone rings, and it's, it's like God calling, wanting to say, don't go. Don't do what you're about to do. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. They're, they're just things, yeah, they're just, we miss things, and we shouldn't. It is obvious that when God first brought all the animals to man, and He named them all, that they understood what He said. And most likely, very graciously thanked Adam for giving them names that perfectly suited each and every one of them. Alright? I'm just saying this to you, because why name the animals if they don't know what's going on? You know, when I call my animals, it's interesting, they basically have an idea of which one I'm calling. If I call one by a certain name, it will come. Alright? they all won't turn up unless they're hungry. Well, they think, oh, one's getting it, we're all getting it. <laughs> yeah, right. But you know, it isn't it interesting that there is some kind of recognition? I'm always amazed at that. We're always looking for life on other planets. Why don't we just look at the life on this planet? It's still a mystery to us. We still really don't know that much about how much they can understand. We theorize a lot. But until you become a dog or a cat, you don't know. I'm just saying, you know, people used to come up with all kinds of theories and they were wrong. So, these are creatures God created. They're not stupid. Sometimes you feel like they are, but they're not. There is intelligence to them. Do you understand? And there are things you can say, and you, you know, they they understand the word no. <laughs> After a while, a couple of spray bottles later. <laughs> you know, okay? but But, you know, I always think, if they can understand those things, what else can they understand? And, where you know when when we look back at the way god created them in Ge- in genesis in the garden of eden how much did they understand what was their mental capacity and when adam named them they weren't stupid the curse hadn't come everything was perfect they would have been gracious you know think of the most loyal pet you have okay that's how they were all right so back to this <laughs> However, I'm reading a quote now from Henry and Morris. He says, after the temptation and fall, God altered the vocal equipment of the animals, including the structure of the speech centers in their brains. He did this in order to place a barrier between men and animals, to prevent or further use of their bodies by demonic spirits to deceive men again in this fashion. Interesting, isn't it? The body of the serpent, in addition, was altered even further by eliminating his ability to stand erect, eye to eye, with man, as it were. Evidence of this is actually in the Hebrew word for serpent itself, which originally meant shining, upright creature. Hmm? Alright? So, that's what it actually meant, originally. So, the thing stood up. It was able to go out, you know, eyeball to eyeball. Who knows what was changed in it to cause it to lose? Okay? All right. And it is this creature that the devil approaches the woman through and begins questioning her understanding of God's word by saying, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, let me just stop here for a minute. We read this and we sometimes miss what's going on. These are creatures that are created by God. Alright? There's no curse in the earth yet. Why should they even question the Creator? Do you see what I'm trying to say? Alright? So, obviously, the only thing that can even go down that road is something that has had contact previous contact with the Creator, and has tried to do something that it shouldn't have done. Lead a rebellion against the Creator. Do you understand? It's only when you begin to see that, and you put it all together, that you begin to realize that would be the only way that this episode could be going on here, and this uh, event could be happening. That something knew so much about God, that it was willing to question God. Wow! Alright? Read this. When you're reading stuff like this, read it carefully. Because we miss sometimes what is happening. Who would dare to question God? Who would dare to question God? And why? He made them. Why even go there? Do you understand? I want you to think about some of these things. So, let's get back to this. Oh, oh we've got a minute left. We'll, we'll pick up here in the next session. I don't want to rush through this, because now we're getting into some meaty things. All right? <laughs> and uh, I've rushed through some other things, because, okay, but these things we need to look at closely. All right? In other words, did God, this is what the serpent is really saying, did God really say that? With the inference, are you positive that what you think he said is really what he said? <laughs> Maybe you heard wrong. Or misunderstood what he really meant. Does that sound like the serpent? Does that sound like what the devil says to you some days? Okay, you're doing something, you're standing there, you're confessing, and nothing's happening, and then come the questions. Hmm? We'll leave it there and pick it up in the next session.